Good evening and welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Backstage Pass. I'm your host, Vince Edwards. You may know me from Sound Image Productions. Uh, I also got a couple closed roadie Facebook groups uh, called Death by Loadout and The Backstage Pass. Come check us out over there. We're having some fun. To my right, I have my good, good friend and co-host, Kyle Thomas. How are you doing, brother? Not too bad, man. Another day, another dog biscuit. They gave you another one? Another one. I was blessed. It was must be my brother. <laughs> He's very lenient. I would have I would said, did he be that good today? And I, then I would know the answer immediately. Yes. There you go. Because See? magic. He's learning. Way. That mix you played for me that you captured yesterday with Rick Allen and Lauren Monroe uh, rehearsing was fantastic. It was beautiful. The, the, the ad with the choir, and it was amazing, really. It was special. Oh, thank you. I didn't do have to do too much with a lovely choir like that and a beautiful singer, you know. She knocked it right out of the park. I was, I think it's the first time I've outwardly said, my God, that woman's got a voice. You sure did. Didn't I? Right? <laughs> it well, makes I had me happy. On and I had your mix and I had it nice and the, the volume was right and everything was perf. And, and we talked about the mix and, and I was just taken by the quality of her voice. She's, and, and. How full and warm and yeah, just that just, country vibe. I yeah, think there was a twang in there that yeah. I was noticing that, you know, yeah, she's special. That's going to be something really special. Oh, it was so much fun the past two days. You know, rehearsals went so well and everybody seemed to be in good spirits. It was just nice being back doing something. You know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We got uh, a couple more rehearsals to go and then we'll we'll uh, start putting these things in the can and getting them ready for the public. You guys, you know, stay tuned. I know we said that. It's moving around a little bit on the date because we want to get it just right and send out uh, something that borders on perfect uh, because this, the subject is serious. Um, you know, the, the relief for uh, musicians and techs that are struggling right now, it's a real thing. And so we're not taking it lightly. We've got some amazing artists attached to it. There's, it's, there's some really fun performances. You're really going to love this. So keep an eye out for the Big Love Benefit Concert uh, Relief. It, it's going to be a great thing. What do you got for me today, buddy? Man, just been so slim trying to get this thing created. It's nice finally to have a separation with my schedule where it's not just sitting on the couch most of the time. Yeah. So now it's been the fight to like reclaim the house almost. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I've been going up north and working when I'm not here and come back and busting when I'm here. So it's like little time at the house. So being playing cleanup, working on mixes, you know, getting my, my Pro Tools sessions more established at this point, mm-hmm. uh, trying to pick up more clients every day. So it's nice to kind of rework the setup and, and get my home a little bit more in, into Dialed working in. order. <laughs> Weaked out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a real thing. I, I'll go a couple of days past laundry day. You know, yeah. and and feel all discombobulated. It's oh like, shit! Yeah, I saw you doing you know, laundry with that's everybody. The thing, man. We got like Tent City in the back of you yeah. know the, our uh, shop right now, and of course. Uh, while everybody's building tents and stuff, I see Vinny running, <laughs> I took running laundry. Oh. <laughs> I got employees that help out very well. So. You do, but I can't talk them into doing my laundry. <laughs> so, so that's the thing I'll handle myself. My Betty, she does her. She's you know she's a drip dry. You know, and oh, I'm, I'm fucking just throw a, a pot in there, flip it over into the dryer, bring it, you know, heat it until it basically crisp, right this side of burnt, and bring it back in, throw it on a hanger. Well, she's, she's got a little bit more colorful palette than you, right? Like My us, face. us, we're just black, 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 black. <laughs> like, at least I'm wearing a little bit different clothes, but yeah. it's pretty standard for us, I feel like. Yeah, it's a little you're easier. Not you're not wrong. I have, I have two load colors, 
uh, every one week, every week, I've got one load of blacks. On every second week, I've got a load with that are uh, so-called colors. It's the towels. Yeah, there That's you go. That's the, the only thing you've got. Yeah, and Betty, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, I do six loads a month, it, like clockwork. You know, all blacks one week, blacks and uh, uh, towels and, and bedding on the second week, third week. Back, you know, it's a thing. Yeah. And if when that schedule gets screwed with, I feel off balance. You know, right? I can feel. I felt yeah. it when you yeah. come in. You're like, dude, yeah. your hair's all. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying he prefers when I have my coffee, uh, even though I don't drink coffee. But metaphorically, I tea, think that's what you're saying. Tea, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong. I'm working on that, but We're all colorful before coffee. Yeah. It was like our lighting dude, yeah. the day I walked in today, and he's just like, before I was even in the building, he comes up with a big smile. Kyle, I got some work. You want to help me with something? Like, no. <laughs> of course, I helped them. But. They always know, man. If I'm coming pretty, it's probably trouble. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we got to go lift some 4880s up over our heads. Yeah, seriously. You know? <laughs> it's like bench always come with a smile if you want something done right. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's a way of things. I noticed Mr. Perlman has uh, checked in tonight. That's good, good. Hey, Scott, how are you, brother? We're happy to have you. Scott Cheney's checking in, too. He's a badass. And the one and only Pete O'Doul, the card provider and good friend of the show. We're glad to have you guys tonight. Hey, listen, you came on a good night. We got, like, a super special guest. This is a friend of mine. We go back, gosh, I want to say six or seven years. I can't put an exact time on it because I don't really count like that. Uh, but I can count when I know a good person. I met a very talented, good person. He is uh, from the streets in alleyways of Salinas, California. Uh, he is in an amazing punk rock, hardcore punk rock band. I don't know if he would label it hardcore. I think he mixes old school thrash and kind of curbside, kind of grinding skate punk together and comes up with a, a thing that's kind of got the, a really sweet, um, I'd call it a boldness, a power and faith. Uh, and the, that he uses was frenetic, tight chords and spiritually filled street anthems. I got to take this right from your words because it's clever. You know, I, I struggle on writing intros. It's not easy. Uh, please, guys, welcome the one and only Jason Anselmo Martinez, also known as Jayhawk, the singer for the Infirmities. How are you, my brother? I'm doing great. It's really great to see you. Great to be here. I want to mention right off the top, and we'll swing back around to it. Jason is also an extremely accomplished graphic artist. Um, I know him first from the, the music scene. and uh, He drew that mug right there. Yeah, this, the graphics behind me, the stuff on the, the, the cue cards or the question cards and my pins and my cups and all this other shit. That's him. He did that. He took uh, a, a kind of a sweet uh, idea. Yes, cheers, brother. From our good friend Bernie Broderick, who was kind of a geographical, genomic, I don't know. It, was, it, it looked a little like mass, some diamonds and squares put together to kind of simulate my face. And I said, can you do something more with this? Because a friend of mine asked, what's that? Is that a cheese grater? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we can do a little, little better, a little, put a little more in. Uh, and it's a lot of love to Bernie Broderick. But um, so I wanted to say that. And we'll circle back to his amazing skills as a graphic artist. Uh, how have you been doing during this whole last eight months that you probably haven't been out there with your band much? It's probably slowed your game up a little bit. Thankfully, I've been doing really well. Uh, you know, family's nice and healthy. Uh, working on new music, you know. That's something that a lot of people are doing right now. Since we can't play live shows. You bet. Uh, pretty much uh, jamming with the guys when we can. You know what I mean? Seems a little harder to get together. The motivation's not exactly the same, you sure. know, because you know the live shows are not there, but we're making the best of our time. And, uh, and just enjoying the time with our families that we don't usually have when we're touring or doing shows. 
Well, that's one thing I've always noticed about you. Um, from you bringing, you have a beautiful daughter named Ezra Sky, who's just <laughs> she's a precious. I mean, she's the cutest, cute as a button. And sometimes I have seen her at shows. She's got her cans on. She's got her ear protection on, and mom's there. Yeah, yeah. you you seem to have balanced that out. That's a question in there somewhere deeper, but I, I'm going to just go there now. Again, we do spontaneity here. Sure. But yeah, you, uh, you've always impressed me with the way you, you kind of have that lockdown. I mean, I know your love for your wife is real and deep, and you, you, the stuff you're doing with your kid all the time, it's, it's, it's really great to see. And uh, somehow or another, it seems to be a contradiction to the punk rock thing that I grew up with in the early days, because we were a mess. But you seem to have it really dialed, and have a beautiful family. Thank you. Tell me, I just poorly described your band. I tried my best. Can, can you help my audience understand the, the mission behind the infirmities? They're, you're a very purposeful band. You guys kick ass. You put on a hell of a show. You're, you're stage-wise, I don't mean to kiss your ass too much, but man, you understand how to operate a stage and how to work with the crowd. Um, well, basically, what I wanted to do was create some type of a, how should I word it, like a punk rock time machine. That's why you have a fusion between, uh, you know, that early 80s hardcore. Yeah. A uh, little bit of street punk in there. Salinas' own brand, my hometown. Uh, mixed with a little bit of thrash. And then I, you, you, you mix the thrash core with a little bit of the skate core. Yeah. And then just kind of bring it around and throw it all into a, a cup. and A blender. And blender, and there you go. So yeah. I wanted to have something that was like when you came to a show and saw infirmities perform live. In those 30 minutes, we take you through different eras of punk rock. And I didn't want to have stops in between songs. I wanted you to keep your attention the whole 30 minutes. And so that was the idea. Well, you absolutely pull that off each and every time. I mean, like I said, I've seen you four or five times. I think it might be five or six times. And uh, <laughs> it's a hell of a show. And yeah, and you play with some great, great bands. And, and to that point, um, which is always fun coming out. You, go, you know, it's always with somebody like the DKs or, you know, RF7, yeah. two of my favorite all-time bands. I think DKs was my second album I ever bought with my own money in like '80 or something. Uh, fresh fruit for rotten vegetables. Nice. You know, um, what was it like working with the DKs in East Bay? East Bay, actually, his uh, engineer uh, Carl Anderson is our head of audio here. Oh, nice. So, so DKs, we have a little relationship with them. Uh, yeah, working with East Bay Ray has been awesome, actually. Um, actually got to help work on uh, an album cover uh, for his own, his own band, The Killer Smiles. Yeah. Uh, uh, we did the shows together. We did one in Las Vegas together. It was Infirmities uh, with Dead Kennedys, and it was a benefit show um, at the Dive Bar. That was kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. And uh, a really good, good group of guys, you know. Yeah. I've also, you know, met Jello throughout the years at different shows and stuff like that and hung out with him. So, you know, obviously he's not the main singer now. Obviously. They got a guy named Skip, but Skip's really fun. I like yeah. hanging out with Skip. So coming, because I'm a, regardless of Jello's sins, and I'm fully aware of them, and a good friend of Jello. I, I enjoy Jello a great deal. He is an animated. Uh, it's so hard, a tiny little guy. It's so hard to explain Jello without yeah. almost coming off like you're saying something wrong. Uh is one of a kind, and he's a godfather in this scene. Um, and uh, what's what's your preference for it, off vinyl, Jello or Skip? Well, 
I, I think the majority of everything I have is, is Jello singing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. an amazing singer. Uh, something about, I think when I was writing the script, I was uh, writing the questions. When I, uh, there was a period, I don't know, it was probably late 80s, middle 80s, where Jello actually went and sang with, and I've got it, one of their CDs, oh, it's DOA and Joey Shithead. Oh. And so it made me put those together. And I know you've also worked with Joey Shithead and DOA. How about that? Yeah, we did just done some shows together, you know. Uh, played with DOA in uh, Costa Mesa at the, the Tiki Room or Tiki Bar, I believe. Mm -hmm. One of Scott Tucker's productions. That was a really fun show. I uh, also played with DOA and MDC over at the Viper Room on the Sunset Strip. Oh, yeah. And that was MDC's first time on the Sunset Strip, so they were really excited to have that show. Have, going up after or, you know, before... Uh, Dave, <laughs> that's, that's tricky. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dave in a good night will put on a, a show, come out in the dress and piss everybody off and do what he does. He's, yeah, he's Dave Dictator. <laughs> Dave's a really great guy. Yeah, I love Big that shout guy. out to Dave. Yeah, Dave's a badass. Yeah, we, we did a whole uh, Northern California tour with NBC. So we did uh, like Sacramento, San Francisco, and, and then ended up in Hollywood later, you know, after that tour. Yeah. But, um, Dave's a great guy on the road, too, uh, and, his, and his brother, and uh, just a good group of guys. Everybody in MDC, they were always very loving, treated us like family. Yeah, I would say so. the first uh, MDC album is a seminal punk rock work. It should be in a, you know, a friggin' museum somewhere next to Group Sex and you yeah. know, Jealous Again and some of those early ones. Um, I know your band, uh, you know, when I first spotted you guys and came out, um, he had Harvey Rebellion in it, mm -hmm. killing it. You know, I, I'm fond of him. He's the yeah. great guy, the kind of silent fucking guitar killer. You know, he's, yeah. he's had this, that way about him. I love Harvey. And I keep a, kind of a uh, track of him on the, the interwebs there mm -hmm. every so often. He's still doing what he does. Um, I noticed you changed the lineup a little bit. Talk to us about that. Well, uh, the original lineup, Infirmities, Probably you didn't get to see, but in the first uh, the, the first lineup of Infirmities uh, featured uh, Art Ruiz on guitar, mm -hmm. uh, which you may know from FUX. Yes. Right. So uh, and and actually a lot of the first couple songs we wrote together, like first six songs of Infirmities Anthem, trying to create this kind of a fusion. Uh, also had Troy Salas on bass. And uh, we all worked together to get this, this set that we really wanted to grab people's attention. Uh, we had a rule that the songs couldn't be more than uh, a minute long. That's kind of like a DRI rule. Yeah, so yeah. the Infirmities motto, in case nobody knows it at home, it's kind of funny, but it, our motto has always been, uh, you miss two minutes, you miss two songs. So uh, that's pretty much the Infirmities motto. So we live by that motto. When we write our songs, we keep them, keep them short and sweet so that when you watch the set, it's like rapid fire, you know, one after the other, and just the, the time continuum keeps going, yeah. keeping your attention. Uh, but back to that question, uh, Harvey, Harvey joined the band uh, around the time we started performing in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Harvey's from East L.A., right. and... Uh, yeah, we met at one of the shows, became great friends. Uh, I was having some lineup changes at the time, and Harvey said, hey, I'll play guitar. Um, Harvey came in solid for three years straight. 
nonstop touring. Uh, really loved working with Harvey and, and, and still do. Um, I have a different way of looking at uh, having a band in general. Um, even though I may start with, with four guys, it doesn't always stay the, the Fab Four, you know? Yeah. And uh, so a long time ago, I realized it was better to create more of an army of musicians that I could call, have a skeleton crew, you know? So if I got to hit the road and one guy can't make it, you know, I want to be able to call plan A, plan B, plan C, and have everybody already know the material, know the music, and have it tight to where I can just come into different cities, we rehearse it, and then we go perform it live in different clubs. Wow, clever. Uh Queens at Stone Age have a kind of a model like that. Josh Homme is kind of the guy. Mm -hmm. And then he has this, almost like you said, an army yeah. of some serious badasses that you can just click into place and make things happen. And yeah, it's, that's, a, that's definitely a way of getting it done. Yep. Hats off to you on that approach. Uh, when you can pull it off, you know. It's yeah. kind of a Billy Corrigan <laughs> model, too. Um, gigging with, I gotta, I, I've always had a fondness for Sammy from Fang, you know. And I know you've done a lot of work with the Fang. Mm -hmm. What's up with that? I mean, <laughs> there's no, there's but nobody likes Sammy from Pink. That's a great band, one of the more fun, kick-ass, you know, punk rock bands in the game. Sure. You guys do a lot of stuff together. Well, um, when we signed to uh, Malt Soda Records, um, small story here. Uh, Scooter Buell, uh, the owner of Malt Soda, big shout out to Scooter. Yeah. Uh, he had Fang on the label. Uh, anyone who doesn't know Malt Soda Records next year will be a 20 year anniversary. Uh, I put out records from RKL, Fang, Robo Abuse, China White, a uh, bunch of great bands. Uh, recently uh, was announced last week they're going to be putting out a record from Conflict as well. Wow. Which will be released in 2021. And uh, we'll be releasing a new record also next year. Uh, but as far as Malt Soda goes, uh, we sent a, one of our songs to Scooter through email. And uh, he, he asked me to call him that night. He said, call me at 7 o'clock tonight. So I called him. And uh, he said, I haven't heard anything that I've wanted to sign for a few years. But I, I played the one song you sent me, and it fits all the Malt Soda catalog. And uh, I made a phone call to Sammy Town and asked him what he thought about infirmities. And uh, Sammy vouched for you guys saying that, uh, you know, Jason's a great guy. We've played shows with infirmities. They're a hardworking band. Uh, if you sign them, they're going to sell records because they're always playing shows. Yeah. And so cheers to Sammy because really he's a big reason why we got the phone call back to, to sign to Malt Soda Records. That's a great story. Yeah. No, I, I know, uh, I've seen, uh, I think I came to at least one of the Fang shows with you, and we hung backstage with Sammy, and yeah, yeah it's, it's just a natural thing going on there. So that makes perfect sense. Great band, great shout out to Fang. Um, talk to us. Now, I know in a lot of bands and the punk rock scene in this era, it's, it's, it's tough to go overseas. It's, you know, it's very expensive. And they don't have a lot of shows that can justify the expense and the time. But you got involved with a really amazing tour of the uh, overseas and did a European tour. Talk to us about that. That was, was really fabulous. I watched you from afar on your posting. It was amazing. Well, it was um, obviously a lifelong dream to be able to go overseas and perform in the UK. Um, Rebellion Festival, for those of you that don't know at home, 
it's kind of like playing the punk rock Disneyland of festivals. I mean, pretty much everybody plays Rebellion Festival every year. I mean, it's it's four days long with like like 200 bands or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so it's a crazy lineup. Uh, we tried beginning on uh, Rebellion Festival's radar for for a year or two, and I actually sent some songs in. And finally, the main director wrote back and said, I, I listened to the song, you guys sound great. Uh, maybe we can have you play this year. That particular year, we didn't get it, but I kept in contact with him. And uh, sure enough, the, the next year, which would be 2018, um, we got offered uh, a shot to go play the introducing stage at Rebellion. Um, my, my first reaction to looking at the email was obviously I was super excited. I showed my wife the email and she said, well, congratulations, you know, you always wanted to go there. Yeah. You know, this is like a lifetime achievement thing. She said, you know, have a great time. And, and I said, well, I'm not going without you. Yeah, it was so cool of you. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not going without you. I mean, yeah. we're all going, you know. Yeah. You're coming and, and our daughter Ezra's coming too. Uh, even though financially that made it more difficult. But <laughs> <laughs> more of a challenge. It was more of a challenge, you know, because you got to buy more flights. You got to figure right. out how you're going to do this as a family. But I wasn't going to do it without her. Um, my wife's been with me for 22 years. Yeah, she's precious. And uh, I mean, when we met, I was 19 years old and she was 17 years old. And we were married very young. Uh, without jobs or knowing anything about what we're going to do in life. Uh, we got married because we loved each other, good old-fashioned, you know, true love, which you don't hear about anymore. And, uh, yeah, she was 21 when we got married. I was 23. So we just hit 20-year anniversary this year. And it seems like, in the, at least through the pictures and what I can gather, it seems like you're more in love every year. Oh, yeah. She's a special woman. you got a great family. You're a lucky man. You know, I was going to ask you about, I know a little bit about your family background. I met your father, a very special, cool-ass guy, um, uh, about how you got into music. But I think it's, it's almost it's like it's in your DNA. I mean, you come from four generations of music. I know Sam Martinez is in his own right a badass, and uh, I've actually seen him perform with you and then videos that you've posted with him. Uh, is uh, incredible. Talk to us about your pops. Uh, I grew up in a house of music. Um, Dad was always in bands even before I was born. So he played in uh, punk bands even in the 70s. He had a punk band called Red Sun. Uh, so Pops was a punk before I was. Um, and Dad was always playing shows, um, always playing at different clubs. Took me to a lot of concerts since I was a little kid. Uh, a lot of reggae shows. My dad also had the first uh, reggae band in uh, Monterey County, Salinas yeah. uh, Valley. And um, in 1981, he formed Battle Cry, which later had a name changed to Catch a Beat. Uh, did many years as that band. Um, and then went on to do Chicano All-Stars, which has now been a band for about 20 years. They're great. And, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and that's basically, you know, Latin rock and R&B. Um, but yeah, my dad was a, was a big influence on me as far as, um, he was a big encouragement to me to, to pursue music, obviously. Uh, he put every instrument in front of me, you know, like 
drum sets, guitars. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> but the reality was that I always wanted to be the, the singer, the front man. I mean, I, would, I was an MTV kid. I'd come home after school, put on MTV and watch videos. And you know, I'd grab the mop in the kitchen and pretend it was the mic stand. And, <laughs> right you know, I, I mean, there's videos of me as a kid, you know, wanting to be the singer in a band. But I didn't have a band until I was about 15. That's yeah. still a good start, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were like that in our house. You're running around with, you know, wooden spoons and shit and, you know, air guitaring. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. I wanted to bring up uh, in context with your father and yourself and a kind of a triangulated thing that we shared, which was our good, good friend, Dennis Deacon. Mm -hmm. Dennis Deacon uh, knew your father. We were all friends. Um, but he was more than that. Dennis Deacon was a, kind of a barrier legend in the sense that he supported all bands and all the genres. This is Lovers and Strangers, this is The Believers, this is Drunk with Power, Psychos in yeah. Love, F-U-X you mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. By the way, shout out to Arthur Kobelson and Delaney Kobelson. Arthur, it's here with F-U-X, what the hell? How many bands are you in, brother? <laughs> uh, such a badass, that guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is too much. Um, I love his wife, she's so sweet. Um, but um, Dennis, he was, he's always there. The festivals, the it didn't matter. Uh, the last thing I think me and him did together was with you, it was the subhumans at the catalyst which that yeah. was an amazing night one of my favorite british bands and you just ripping a hole in the catalyst uh, yeah it sounds like we're playing yeah <laughs> play through but yeah That's i miss wrong. him and uh any special words you know any special memories with dennis deacon uh he died you know, on that side of nowhere deacon was very special uh, anyone that knew deacon uh not only did he come to every single punk show in the area. I mean, he was a very important part of the punk rock scene. Um, he, there he is on the screen there. Remember that night? Oh, yeah. The Fox? I remember that night. There he's jumping up and down there. <laughs> yeah. Had so much energy. Uh, Deacon was the kind of guy, he'd get everybody in the town to come to the show, yeah. even if they weren't into punk rock. You know, he was, he was also the kind of person that um, would encourage anybody that he met. Uh, you know, to, to follow whatever whatever passion or whatever dream that they had. Um, Dennis was a very very special person. We all we all love and miss Dennis Deacon. He was basically like a local punk rock hero. I mean, as far as not only did he play in Drunk with Power, which uh, he was super excited when I told him I wanted Drunk with Power to play at the Fox Theater because yeah. he had come to all our shows at the Fox. And I said, well, you got to get the guys back together so you can come and open for the Vibrators from the UK. So mm -hmm. they had their last show there with Dennis uh, on the bass at the Fox Theater. And that, I mean, that just, you know, made his whole, his whole year. Yeah, it was you as know, happy as could be that night. Yeah, he was really yeah. happy about it. Yeah, it was yeah. a great show. The whole hey, experience. Scott Perlman just chimed in there. He said, when I was working with Jason Newstead, we did some small shows in Northern Cal, and I think they opened up uh, on one. Wow. I, I think it's possible, Scott, but uh, Dennis was probably my best friend in the world, and he would have crowed about that. Oh, my God. And he never mentioned working with Jason. But he was prolific. This guy was in uh, six or seven bands in his life. He was a roadie for, I can't even tell you how many bands, regardless of genre, and uh, truly one of a kind guy. Um, you worked with RF7. Now, RF7 to me 
are one of the most. The RF7 rock in a strange space. They, they, they're singers, but <laughs> you know, kicks and ass. They got that weird thing. I love RF7. I don't know if you noticed. You were noticing some of our framed art over there. Yeah, yeah. One of them is the way of the world. Yeah. Because it's just a, such a singular. What was your uh, night like with RF7? Playing with RF7. Did uh, they bring it first of all? Did they. They're really. I mean, uh, the singers got a really big heart. Really awesome guy. Yeah. And I remember. Uh, I think our first show with RF7 would have been in Long Beach at the Black, Black Light District Lounge, used to be called, Rock and Roll Lounge, something like that. Um, it's no longer there, but it had a good amount of uh, punk shows that were showcased there, and RF7 was one of them. And I remember when I got off the stage, I ended up sitting with him for at least an hour. He was just excited about our sound, and we wanted to do more shows together. Um, really helpful guy, someone that, you know, right away give, handed me an RF7 7-inch, like, on the spot, and I handed him an infirmity CD, you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, we didn't have vinyl yet at the time. Vinyl came later, but um, I guess that's something that bands do, you know? Once we, we find other bands we like, you know? Yeah. We just give all our stuff away, you know? We that's right, absolutely. We trade, right? Yeah, sure. So. Sure. Now they were, uh, it was, uh, you know, I was 14. I'm listening to RF7, like 1981, 80, whatever. That I would just play that thing. And that was, I did have vinyl only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that album was uh, seminal in my head. I've been listening to them all week, writing your show, actually playing them on the, yeah, it's been kind of fun. Awesome. Um, as I mentioned in the, the intro, faith is, is important to you. That's a, a part of your life. And I've, and I'm, I'm interested to know how you incorporate that in your music because I know that it is, there is a thread of that in the music and in the message. Yeah, well, basically, I, I, I look at it like... I think in punk rock, there's, there's sort of been this, this gap as far as you know, people that are for God or they're against God. Um, when Fir Infirmities was created, I saw it more as a way to bridge the gap. And I always felt like uh, if you had a band like this, uh, we're, we're, all, we're all brothers in the circle pit, you know? And right. when you have a band that's having song after song after song, once they get in the pit, they can't get out because the songs don't stop. That's right. And, and I always knew that there was a sense of unity in the punk scene, and I wanted to to have a band that could they could just create that bridge, and also have that respect for the punk rocker in the room who's who's against God versus the guy who's okay with it, and and so pretty much what Infirmities is is it's it's some it's it's a type of band where it meets you where you are, and there's no judgment there because before Infirmities. Uh, I was in many punk rock bands throughout my life and had my many years of partying and, and doing all my thing, you know, and uh, it just got to a certain point, and like in my mid-20s, after having about 15 years of, you know, waking up, passed out on the floor, not knowing where you are, you kind of come to realize, like, uh, maybe this is like a dead-end dead road for me. There's another way. Yeah, yeah there's right. got to be another way. And so for me, that came at about 26 years old, and um, yeah, that's basically when it began. But yeah, basically, yeah. But also saying that, you know, we're, we're the kind of guys where 
you know, if you if you sat with us after the show, you know, we're, we're not going to get preachy on you. I never like got that. that from you, and I see yeah. that you are very uh, fan friendly, and yeah. you know, you hang, and I've countless pictures of you, and like I said, I've, yeah. I've hung with you, and I've never got that from you at all. Yeah, we always respect everyone right where they are. Yeah, that's it's a really basically. nice way to kind of yeah sound round that out. Um, you've written a lot of cool songs, like a lot of cool songs. What's your process? How does it work for you? Um, you start with I mean, the lyrics, you got a, you got a tune in your head. It's always or, different. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the guitar player's got a riff. Other times I could be driving in my car and I hear a chorus. Sometimes I'm about to go to bed and I think of this like crazy, weird combination that's going to go in between these two, two other ideas. I mean, I don't really have one single process. I think some bands talk about having just one way. I don't think there's just one way. I've heard you refer to as the formula. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is yeah. formulas, and the Pixies follow a formula. Never yeah. followed a formula, but yeah. it's not always the way it has to be. It's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of different ways. I think Infirmies does have a formula as far as keeping the song short and tight. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a mandate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once it's too long, it's like, cut it, it's too long. Yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's no one set way for us to uh, write a song. You know, we, we are, it's pretty much an open forum. And there's also an agreement that uh, it doesn't matter who writes it in the band, because if we all like the song, we keep it. And that's it. Oh, that's cool. another song. Right on. So there's no, like, upper, like, well, he wrote it and I wrote it. No, I mean, it's... Not a Lennon McCarthy situation. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's very open forum. It's like, I got a riff. Let's try it. We all like it. Cool. Throw yeah, it in. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, that's, I think, kind of the spirit that punk rock was born from. You know, it's yeah. DIY. You know, and then when you feel it, you just feel it and let it happen. Yeah. So that's a special thing. Uh, I mentioned earlier that you were quite the graphics designer. I've seen some of your flyers, really amazing posters, uh, your merch. Your, some of your merch is ridiculous, like super killer. Yeah, Check we got a board. You brought. We Check this board out. This He's out. got graphics on boards that are like. You're walking up. Mikey, can you pull in on that, Daddy? Bear with us a second. This is this is worth seeing. Look it's at that really thing, man. Cool. That's the. Come back and pull back a little, Michael. Right there. It's That's it's good. a little dark, but. It yeah, nice. it's the really great stuff. I mean, amazing, amazing artwork. Uh, do you do uh, most? I know you have a, a. You've been known as I think Mr. Hat. You do some graphics under the the banner Mr. Hat. Mm -hmm. What's the deal with that? I know you've actually won some awards in the process. Um, well, basically, when I don't have a mohawk, because obviously, I mean, well, I've seen you clean right up. <laughs> you can clean right up. You got like two U's. Yeah, I, they, yeah, yeah. So a long t many years ago, uh, well, I've always been doing graphic design. So. Uh, before that, it was just art. You know, I was good at drawing as a kid, and I loved to draw. And I used to sell my drawings to friends, like, in the second grade for, like, you know. When lunch break came, uh, I'd have, like, a line of kids, and I'd sell my drawings for 50 cents, you know. Yeah. And uh, so uh, from that, I went to art school when I was a young kid. I was, like, in fourth grade. And the teachers noticed, you know, they told my parents, you know, we're, we'd like to recommend your son go to an art school instead of regular school. So then I had a year of that. And then by the time I was out of high school, I mean, I always loved cut and paste punk rock flyers. Uh, so right 
right in my senior year, I got into graphic design. And uh, I started learning all the programs, you know, Adobe Photoshop and all that stuff. And um, I've been doing graphics for a long time, like over 20 years. Um, I started my own business about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I had an office in Old Town Salinas for 10 years, uh, which I didn't close until my daughter was born because I decided I would rather work from home and be able to take her to the park every day and not have to worry about any type of office rent or anything like that. So once she came along, I closed the office after 10 years, packed up my toys and put some of them away and, and I worked from home so I could raise my daughter. And um, it was the right decision because you don't get back those first five years. No. And um, it, it, was, it was an awesome experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Mr. Hat came, it started as a joke because I've always wore hats. I love hats. There uh, she is on the screen yeah, now. There's Beautiful my daughter. Girl. Lovely. That's the first time we played at the Fox Theater. Shout out to Anthony Lane. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I always loved wearing hats when I didn't have my mohawk up. And I'm not big on combing my hair because I don't have much hair anyways. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I started collecting hats, I don't know how many years ago. And every time I, I went to work, I always had a hat on. So one of my friends said, you know, you should call yourself Jason the Hat. And I used to call him Joey the Jazz because he liked listening to jazz music. So it was Jason the Hat and Joey the Jazz. And eventually getting married, you know, the hat became Mr. Hat. So then at some point, another friend said, why don't you change the name of the business to Hey Mr. Hat? Because everyone knows you as the hat now. So that's where the Mr. Hat thing came about. Gotcha. Makes perfect sense. And I have seen you in a hat on a few occasions. That yeah. is, that is a, an MO for you. If the hawk's not up, the hat that he's on yeah. seems to be the, the, the rules. Um, you know, when it came up, I think the second show I ever saw was with my brother. We were here, we moved up like on a Tuesday and it was like a Thursday. And it was at the Elite Club in the second show I saw in the Bay Area. This is maybe 1982. And it was the Dead Kennedys, 45 Grave, Toiling Midgets, Circle One and Free Beer. Wow. And That's a lineup. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and I remember not knowing much. I knew the DKs. I knew the Toiling Midgets. I didn't know much about... Um, 45 Grave, I had heard him, and I thought Don Bowles was an amazing drummer. Mm -hmm. And went in and saw that show and was blown the fuck away. Yeah. <laughs> You've worked with 45 Grave. What was it like? Did they still bring it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. she was a great singer. Oh, yeah. Dinah Cancer. That's a great name, too. Great punk rock singer named Dinah Cancer. It's pretty straight up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had fun with them? Any good memories? Uh, I mean, I, I remember seeing them with, with Jello when they played Planet Gemini. 45 Grave with Jello Biafra. That was, that was a great show. Jesus, I missed that. I didn't, yeah. didn't even hear that I think one. That was, gosh, I don't remember the year anymore, but it was a really good one. But yeah, just some shows in LA. A lot of, a lot of things happening in LA. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. It's, it's, a, it's a much wider market. You can get a, yeah. a, a really good show going. I always there. tell people LA never dies. Yeah, well, let's hope. So. Let's hope. They're a little, <laughs> and they are in the earthquake zone a little close to the sea. You never know what could happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and most of the time they're on fire. But yeah. other than that, <laughs> yeah, um, you've done some amazing shows. Do you have a favorite? One Ooh, that's that just tough. Stuck with you, like that is tough. Um, well, really, the biggest stage we ever performed on was at Rebellion Festival uh, just this past summer, 2019. Yeah, 
Uh, the year previous to Rebellion Festival, we started the small introducing stage, which is the first time band stage that all the bands start out on. And at our performance, my daughter decides that she wants to sing with the band. And so this had never happened before, and it wasn't rehearsed, even though she'd been on stage with Daddy many times. Yeah, I've seen her. I told the sound man, turn up her microphone all the way, keep an eye on her mic. I don't know what she's going to do. But we came a long way to do this thing, so I want to make sure my daughter's nice and loud. So he did, and my daughter just attacked it. She was five years old. Um, you know, cameras, flashes are going off like crazy. This little punk rock little girl running around the stage with her dad. And the main directors of a Rebellion Festival in the UK came and talked to me right when we got off the stage, and they said, you got to come back next year, and we got to have you on the main stage. So we got that kind of invitation. I mean, you don't say no to that. So no. even if though financially we knew we couldn't really afford to go all the way back all over again, but we did it, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, we ended up um, playing the main stage, which was the Empress Ballroom stage. Biggest stage I've ever played in my life. Humongous. Yeah. Uh, other people that performed in that stage would be the Beatles, Frank Sinatra, <laughs> Queen, the Rolling Stones. So, mm -hmm. I mean, for me to even be on that stage and see plaques on the wall of all these bands. Yeah, pretty special. That performed in there was very, very special. Yes. And a ballroom is totally different than performing, like, on a regular uh, type of show. I mean, you look up and there's, like, different levels and stuff, yeah, it's, you know. It's, it's, yeah. it's really cool. Old school Europe, they, they have a different yeah. way. So that was really special. To me, that was my favorite show because not only was it... Um, the biggest stage Daddy's ever been on, but I got to have my daughter up there with me singing, and so it became a really special memory for both of us. I, I think I've seen you do that twice, and the crowd loves that. Yeah. They go nuts, and I can only imagine that she actually gets on a mic and starts singing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> this fall apart. <laughs> a bunch of yeah. punk rockers being all, you know, having an emotional moment. That's, that's unusual. Yeah, and but it's, and it's never it. rehearsed. It's no, always no. spontaneous. Sure. And pe the crowd can see that. So some people tell me, what, what, do you practice with her? No, no way. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of more like she just goes up there and goes for it. And I think if I practiced with her with it all the time, it becomes more boring, kind of like, yeah, a, little like a little more, yeah, more yeah. staged. Yeah. And I never wanted it to feel staged for the, for the crowd because I was having just as much fun seeing. I didn't know what she was going to do either. Yeah. And mom's over there with the camera filming it. So it, it's just always kind of, it's just candid and fun. And it, it was never uh, rehearsed, nothing like that. So it was just all came naturally. She did go on to win her own talent show when she was five, where she sang uh, all by herself. And, DNA, and, uh, genetics. You know, it's, so. in, you, you, it's in her blood. She yeah. almost has no choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the family yeah. that you have, the music, that it just it's through your DNA. It's, and yeah. it shows... Um, you know, you have some really killer merch. I've always been a fan of your merch. The skateboard is, uh, mm -hmm. I, I've bought a few shirts from you. You've given me a few things. Um, do you design that stuff yourself? Yeah. Um, I design everything that you see with infirmities. Um, I've designed it. And uh, I think a big part of the branding of the band has to do with me being a graphic designer for 20 years. I kind of knew what I wanted, and I wanted us to have a, a symbol. I wanted us to have a logo that people remembered, and I worked really hard on that. So our whole look, our whole theme and everything, I've 
designed it all. So, yeah. yeah, no, some of your stuff is so on point. It's uh, it's really killer. It's it's yeah, you you clearly live in that world well. You brought Thank up you. malt soda before. I know you got a little banner here. Maybe you want to show. Talk to us about malt soda again. Uh, malt this soda is your, This is your record yeah. company that you're making a new record on. Yeah, we got a new album coming out, and uh, it was actually recorded uh, back in 2017 when we headlined the Fox Theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably, most likely in March, we don't have a, an actual date, but right now we're in the final mixing stages of mixing that live, that live night. That we actually advertise that night, come to the show and be on a live recording, recorded in our hometown, and we got to headline the Fox. It was just really special. Everyone that came out that night, I mean, it was like hugs, excitement. You know, you can hear the crowd yeah. just having a, a great night. time, knowing they're going to be on an album when they're screaming in the, in the crowd. And um, so now that, you know, with 2020 being the way it was, I finally wasn't doing lots of shows and touring. And so I reached out to Anthony Lane, who's the owner of the Fox Theater and has a studio there at the Fox, and said, hey, let's mix that thing. You know, I think I've waited long enough. It's been a couple of years and... I really want to get that thing out. I called Scooter up. She was like, yeah, let's put it out. Let's put it out. So um, next year, 2021, you'll finally see that record, Infirmities, live at the Fox Theater. And it's got uh, 16 songs. So 16 live songs. Very cool. Who's your engineer? Who's mixing that? Anthony himself. No yeah, kidding. Anthony Good Lane. Old yeah. Anthony Lane. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And it's going to be live at, it's going to be called... Live at the Fox Theater. Live at the Fox Theater, yeah. Cool. Your brother joined in on the chat, said, uh, I was at most of those shows with you. <laughs> yeah, the lieutenant. Nice. The lieutenant. On this one, I'm the, uh, I'm the general. He's the lieutenant. All right. But when he comes into the shop, it flips back around, and I go lieutenant, he goes general. <laughs> Love you, bro. Uh, what's next for the infirmities? I know you got the album coming out. Got any immediate plans? Uh, something you can imagine just outside the, when this gets all better here in the next few months, hopefully? Mm, well, we had a lot of things that were obviously planned and had to get moved to next year. Uh, one of those was we were going to play at Punk Rock Bowling uh, this year, and that's all been moved to next year. Uh, Crash Festival we'll be doing in 2021, mm. and that's, uh, that's here locally in Oakland. And uh, big shout-out to, uh, to Mike. I know he's watching tonight from Crash Fest. Am and I? uh yeah, so uh, you can definitely, we'll definitely be back on the circuit as long as everything opens up. You know, we're all hoping for the best, right? Uh, yeah, and besides that, uh, there's a documentary that, that's been in production for a couple years. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's going to be uh, not coming out next year, but we're still, we're working on a documentary. Specific to the infirmities or in the punk rock movement in general? Specific to infirmities. Um, the director's name is Jeremy Mowry. He's put out um, other indie films. He's from Los Angeles. And we've been in production for a couple years. Uh, we've interviewed different people that infirmities have toured or played shows with. So, so far we have like HR Bad Brains is in it, Jack Grissom, uh, Blag from The Dwarves. Uh, Agent Oranges is in the movie, and they're all just giving commentary about experiences. Yeah. And uh, so, so yeah, that, it's going to be a lot of fun once it's all finished. But we, we keep filming and adding more and more and more. So it's pretty much like um, it's basically my life story, and then it covers all the history of infirmities, so wow. all eight years. You mentioned HR, 
the one and only legendary HR from the Bad Brains, the singer for the Bad Brains. <clears throat> I know, I, I see you're wearing the PMA tour shirt from H&R, mm -hmm. um, PMA Positive Mental Attitude. Uh, easily one of the, I, as a roadie, I credit, and it might be a little misleading, because nobody paid me. We did a show with them in the Bad Brains, mm -hmm. uh, with the Bad Religion. It was the Bad Show, Bad Religion, wow. Bad Brains, and uh, in the late 82 ish and I, me and my brother stayed behind and we helped load you know yeah. and i, I kind of call that like my first roadie experience and um I, I mean what can you say it's the bad brains they're they're literally the godfathers of badassery in the game and they come at it with such a unique take you know, the, yeah. and they've had so many kind of versions of the bad brain what's it like working with the modern hr i've worked with the early hr you know 40 years ago guy uh, we, we've done many different tours, but for me, my favorite tour will always be, uh, the HR Bad Brains tour. Yeah. And... Dr. No, everybody? Well, no, he had his own band come along. We actually had Norwood Fisher on bass from Fishbone. I know, yeah. And we had, uh, Spacey T on guitar. Um, we, we did a, a whole West Coast tour. So we did like Whiskey A Go-Go. We did uh, 94 Gilman Street here in Berkeley. Wow. Uh, it was really awesome. We were direct support for all the gigs. And um, yeah, this was the tour right here. So it's back in 2015. Um, we, we shared one huge tour van. Uh, you know, it was the experience of waking up every morning and sipping tea with HR. <laughs> And then, you know, going outside and, and having a little bit of prayer time. And then actually, like, me and him going to dinner and having eating Chinese food together and watching Bruce Lee movies together. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's, it doesn't get better than that. That's pretty good. Actually. I mean, we were, I remember watching uh, The Big Boss with HR on the couch. And we had one night off in that tour. And, um. Uh, we bonded a lot on that tour. I mean, he shared stories with me from when he was a kid, growing up in a house, uh, uh, you know, that went to church and listened to gospel and how he, how he got into everything. You know, every, for me, it was just nothing can touch that specific tour. And because we were the type of band that was gravitating towards rocking for light, just like Bad Brains were, yeah. um, there couldn't have been a better combination yeah that is a good so, good uh matchup you yeah. know for energy wise yeah and we, we we talk all the time i mean hr calls me on my birthday um he sent me uh an hr medallion in the mail for my birthday uh, that's perfect and uh yeah i have his i mean i have his home numbering he's a class HR, you know he's, he's a great guy yeah 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 and, uh, one of the best produced albums i think in punk rock early punk rock which was done by rico Kasich from the cars Mm -hmm. was the the Bad Brains first album fantastic only only second maybe to Germs DI which was done by um, Joan Jett who really yeah. I mean that album was ridiculous that's also Don Bulls on drums yeah. killing it with Patchmere um but yeah that's one of my favorite albums of all time is the the which was actually a yellow tape if you remember yeah you can only get it on a bright yellow tape yeah yeah and we used to kill those like left and right it was terrible you know you'd be like <laughs> ah you try to put it back together with your pen and yeah it's the thing uh, I got a question from a good friend of ours, Lee Wilkerson. 
who, who's interested to know, because we don't have artists on the show much. You know, we're, we're more about our disciplines of the different lighting guys and folks that do what we do, and that's kind of the audience too. Um, but he's curious, from an artist's point of view, what you'd like to see techs, roadies, people like us do different or better uh, as, a, as an artist. And all, the, I mean, you've done a lot of shows, brother. You've been at this for a minute. And I know they, you've, had, you've had to have a couple experiences where you may have an opinion on this subject. And we're listening. Uh, <laughs> Bring it. Go on. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, are so important, I mean, to the artists. And anybody at home who's watching this who doesn't get to necessarily uh, see it from the other end of the spectrum, I mean, a, a band can't go up there and just do what we do without people like yourselves. You know, um, one of the one of the things I learned in the business many years back is the first thing you do when you walk into a club is become friends with the sound man. Yeah, make you nice. <laughs> yeah, be nice. OK, <laughs> they got to deal with a lot of stuff. They got to deal with a lot of attitudes. And uh, it, it worked every time, you know, and a lot of times when we left all those venues. They all said, hey, man, great set. You guys sounded great. And thank thank you for running our sound, you know. Yeah. I'm real big on thanking people, and I think that um, as far as changing something, I mean, I haven't had too many uh, bad experiences or anything like that. I'm sure a lot of fans will give horror stories. Uh, I, I can remember one time when we played in, in uh, Germany, and we just could not understand each other. I don't know if it was he mostly spoke German and we spoke English, and we were playing this this kind of a flat place, and... Uh, I couldn't really understand what he wanted and then he couldn't understand what I wanted. So it was like, eventually, like it sounded awesome and we're like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I don't know. But I, as far as, I mean, communication is the biggest thing. Yes. You know, Been and I think more. as long as you guys communicate with us, what you can do or what you can't do, we'll communicate with you guys and and keep that open, you know what I mean? I, I think, I, but so far I haven't had too many bad experiences, like I said. And then one particular time when you jumped on the soundboard uh, at one of our shows, because you heard something, you said, hey, get over there. there we appreciate no that. Yeah. <laughs> there was, yeah. yeah. The subs were had, off. They had the subs muted on a system <laughs> that our company, we had, had installed a year or two earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. And so I had no choice. Um, Thank you for that. Yeah, it was my pleasure. That was a great show, by the way. Uh, you're with uh, Psycho. Help me with it. Psychosomatic. Psychosomatic. Yeah, yeah it was they a psychosomatic put show. Put on a hell of a show. It's Homecoming a, show. Yeah. Shout out to Jeff Selgado. Yes, Mr. Selgado. I guarantee he's not watching. <laughs> Too grumpy. <laughs> he was uh, actually, Psychosomatic takes it pretty far back. My very first punk band, we opened for Psychosomatic. Yeah. And they, they had been around way long before us. Oh, no, they're a legit deal. Yeah. They're but, a real deal. I remember sure. being like 15 years old and looking at Jeff when he had like long dreads and stuff and just being like in awe, like, yeah. like they were like, like gods or something to us, you know? They do agree. They're like 15 yeah. and this band totally. comes on, they were super tight and blew us away. Yeah. And we're like, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. Okay, yeah, let's yeah. go back to the garage, you know? They, so, they, they showed you the template you know? a little bit. They yeah. do a great version of the GBH's Time Bomb. Oh yeah, they yeah, do. They, they murder that thing, that's super, yeah, they're a great band to see live. Yeah. Um, let me see. Now, I hate to keep doing this to you, but there's some bands. I've been out of the mix for a minute. Now, you know that. 
even when I was coming to your shows, I was out of the mix, and I still throw on my albums and listen to my music. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of most musics, and particularly early hardcore punk rock. But there's a couple of them that were just seminal to my upbringing that mm -hmm. you've played with in the modern context, which I have no relationship with that, so I'm curious how they were pulling it off. And for me, I'm going I'm going to Angry Simone. Give him something else, because he keeps on playing Fear over and over and over, <laughs> and much as I love you, him. You love had, you've had I'm enough leaving. There is no such thing as enough leaving. Let me say, straighten you out. We got yeah. your uh, symbol up over the top of us oh, yeah, on the, 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 awesome. the lead wall behind us. But, um, awesome. Leaving's a badass. Philo Kramer is. is an amazing guitarist, and Spitsticks is one of the most incredible drummers I've ever seen. Well, you can't really see him. You just see the tips of his sticks because he's a really short guy. Yeah. But, but he was a badass. But I also I played Minor Threat earlier. I didn't get anything from okay, that. Okay, okay. Come on. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Angry Samoans. Jeff, I'm with him. Oh, yeah. I played no, that Gas was Chamber fun. That was in San great... Jose, actually. Yeah. We did a show with Angry Samoans. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, Mike's a character. Yeah. I know Mike. And, uh, gosh, who else? I mean, th there's just so many bands. You know, I sit here and I look at it. It's like going through memory lane. It's like, how many bands are there? It's like, well, your I, list don't, is, I don't know, I don't know who, to, who to, who to yeah, list here. DRI. DRI. Oh, DRI. We got to be main support. It was in Fresno in a big ballroom type setting. And, and, uh, we ended up doing a couple shows with DRI after that. Yeah. Uh, working with those guys, complete professionals. They, yeah. I mean, and they are a touring machine. That's you know, a fact. DRI is they're always, in Europe always frequently. They're shows. in South America frequently. Yeah. 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 yeah but yeah, awesome band. Uh, yeah. Gosh, there's, there's just a bunch. I mean, I don't even name some of those. Descendants. We got to play with Descendants Milo, in the UK. One of the best. Uh, Exploited. Wadi. Wadi. Uh, Exploited. I mean, they're just exploited rule, dude. Exploited so, many so much fun. Punk's not dead, and we all know it, and you're living proof. Hell, yeah. I'm proof. Um, listen, you've been in the business a while. You, you pay attention to the news. You have opinions. Um, and it's been great having you on the show. Thank you very much. I'm curious what you think is around the corner here for the entertainment industry from your perspective as an artist, from our perspective as people that provide the amps and you know the stacks and racks, as we say. What do you think is going to happen? Well... I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I do feel like we need to try our best to stay creative and try to use whatever we have accessible right now. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, we did a music video, which, which I had you in it, where uh, at the beginning of the whole lockdown thing, uh, uh, the SIP, I, I, heard, I, heard, I heard the abbreviation today, SIP which means uh, shelter in place. It also means sound image production. Yes. <laughs> so, there you go. So anyways, uh, if you choose to sip and stay home, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do as a band. The reality is, is, is that I, I know that performing live has always been what we do. Yeah. Um, but we've really, we embraced uh, just, we did a video right out of the garage. Mm-hmm. And my drummer had this awesome idea. He said, why don't you get everybody who's at home who's, who's into the band to, like, circle pit in their living room and jump off couches, jump off chairs, and we'll put all the clips into our, our show from the garage. And it was a great idea. The only thing, I was the guy editing the video, and it was so many submissions. It just took me forever to make that video because it was like yeah. I'd finished, like, 
20 clips of people and then some would be like, all right, I'm sending you my video tonight. So it just kept going on and on, but it became the greatest, one of the greatest videos we have. It's on our YouTube channel. I remember, I think and, it's uh, you're me in, sitting in my chair rocking yeah, you're to in it. The chair. <laughs> I, I did you in slow motion, you know, it was kind of, but it was just a great idea. Yeah. I mean, utilize your, your friends, utilize your fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, don't, don't just say, hey, we'll see you next year and see you later or whatever. And we'll hope for the best, you know, uh, you know, you can get them involved right now. You know, there's you know? some live streaming uh, platforms out there. A couple, uh, I, I shouldn't name names, but there are platforms out there where you can charge a, a nominal three bucks for a ticket. Yeah. Come into a place like this, a, a stage, a soundstage that's set up to do live streaming. This show is proof of concept that we do this. We've done it with Lovers and Strangers. We've done it with others. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, reverse that around a little bit. Maybe come in and do a big rock show, put mm -hmm. your drummer on a drum riser, have professional lighting, professional video. So Absolutely. something to think about. Just know that we are here for you if you ever want to do that. Absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely do that in the future. Uh, yeah, uh, we would love that. We would love to be, able, again, to one of these days, our goal is to work for you. That's, that's the whole game. That's what we do on this side of the, uh, you know, of the uh, stage is work for the artist. It's really great to see you again. I've missed you. Uh, all my love to your family, your beautiful, wonderful family. Thank you for coming all the way out, and we appreciate you. You're a great guest. Thank you for having me. Take really care. It. it was our pleasure. Take care of yourself. Listen, we, got, we had a great show. I love this guy. He's a great special man. Next week, we're going to have a very special interview. We're going to bring out Rick Allen and his lovely wife, Lauren Monroe Allen. Uh, Rick's the drummer for Def Leppard. Uh, you've heard me mention that he's been doing some work in here and his, his wife's incredible band, uh, getting ready for this fundraiser. We're going to kind of chat about the fundraiser. We're going to chat about his history, her, her history, their music. We're going to have some special live clips, and it should be a really good show. We'd love for you to tune in. Uh, once again, I'd love to thank my good special brother, my co-host, Kyle Thomas, and the man behind the machines, and I mean a lot of machines, uh, Michael Brown. Thank you, Michael. Uh, a little love to my woman. I miss you, baby. See you soon. And uh, we hope you're here next week, 7 p.m. Thursday. Come see us for interview Rick Allen and Lauren Monroe. Until then, you have a great night.